Hello and welcome to the Place-Based Methodologies at UTS podcast series. I am Ilaria Vanya Karigi and today I'm here with Dr. Alexandra Crosby, who is the Director of Interdisciplinary Design in the School of Design. And she is also uh, my co-researcher in Mapping Edges, so we do work together. Welcome, Ali. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. I will start asking you how you understand place in your research. So I'm a design researcher. So the way I like to think about place is as a process of making rather than something fixed. Making creates knowledge, builds environments and transforms lives. Tim Ingold, who's an anthropologist, advocates a way of thinking through making in which forms are generated by relationships between people, things, knowledge and materials. And this is very relevant to the way I think about place because I think we make place by sharing, by walking and by just being in the world. So I do research mostly in cities where there are tensions between making place and place making with a capital P. We all make places and so do of course plants and other species but placemaking, with a capital P, tends to be human-centric and it tends to be done by large institutions such as governments or developers. For example, when you see a neighbourhood that you might live in or around UTS and you see it branded in aspirational terms as a creative neighbourhood, for instance, or as a multicultural neighbourhood. So making place as we are showing with Mapping Edges when we work with place, is about relationships between maybe plants and people, people and other people, or other species. It's organic, it's messy, and it's actually a very beautiful process if you pay close attention to it. And what kind of methodologies do you use? Well, I use a lot of different research methods. My research is always interdisciplinary. Many of them are based on visual methods that usually begin with observation. So as a researcher, I think of myself as a participant observer, which means I'm participating in the world as I'm observing it. And in terms of place, I'm usually making the place as I'm researching it. So with Mapping Edges, we create what I'd call conceptual filters to look closely at the world in very particular ways. For example, as we observe, we're thinking about the transition zones between different ecosystems or the interfaces between mediums, projects and processes on the margins of activities. So we might walk through a neighbourhood and think about sidewalks and verges rather than the main street. So this conceptual filter guides the way we look at the world and the way we walk in it. So I think of walking as a research method that employs all my senses. And Sarah Pink likes to call this sensory ethnography, which I think is really a great term for thinking about place-based research. So usually I record what I'm looking at using photographs, notes, and sometimes I do drawings. And I look at these later, and particularly with the photographs, I organize, analyze, and read them in different configurations. And this is a really important part of visual methods, the analysis of those images. So in map, with Mapping Edges, we do that, and we also use structured and semi-structured interviews as a research method. Um, so we kind of combine those in different ways, depending on the project and the research question we're trying to answer. Um, indeed. And would you have a definition for these methodologies? 
Hmm. Well, this we're getting towards it being a mapping edges methodology, I think. I think we have a spe specific methodology that involves walking and sensing and mapping particular neighbourhoods. And photographing. And photographing and note-taking, and then we use social media in lots of ways. So. Yes. Uh, and do you think that there are people in other disciplines who use similar methodologies? So I think that's a really good question and one that I'm still learning about. I know these methods are used by design researchers, um, architects, and I also know that they're used by geographers and anthropologists and people doing cultural studies. Um, sometimes they have different names. For example, I've been working with some really wonderful geographers from Wollongong University recently, and they like to walk around neighbourhoods that I'm also looking at, but they call what they're doing auditing. And I said, that's really great. That's exactly like what we do with mapping edges, although we wouldn't have necessarily called it auditing. But they take, they walk, they take notes, they organise their notes and their images in particular ways, and they collaboratively analyse them. And it's a very iterative, iterative process. So I probably feel like it's most closely aligned to geography, but there's also other um, disciplines that use these kinds of methods. Lots of artists also use these methods in similar ways to uh, what we do with mapping edges because I think there's such a creative dimension because we're making at the same time as we're researching. Yes, I, I think that now it's a, a good moment to talk about our field work and step by step if it's possible. Yeah, sure. So uh, we've, we've been working at a step by step for a while and I think we're getting close to being able to describe it really clearly. For mapping edges, we pretty much always start with walking when we're doing place-based research. So we go on multiple walks, it's not just going out once. We go at different times of the day. We might cover similar routes or we might uh, diverge on different paths. We talk to people as we're walking and we talk to each other. And we actually walk very slowly. Um, I think that was a big challenge for me to realise how slowly you have to walk when you're doing this kind of research. Um, so this walking and moving our bodies through a space generates really more focused research questions than the ones we started with. And to answer those, we work out what other research methods we need. For example, we might need to conduct interviews and to do research with secondary sources related to that particular space. And we might need to talk to people who know that, that place better than we do or who have different histories that, they can, that can be shared with us. So in terms of what's involved doing this step by step, it's taken me a while to get this right, even though I've been doing it for a long time. I now have a kit, which is great. It's got a sound recorder, uh, a camera, a notebook and pens. And I always have backup for all those processes. So for example, I've got a, if I carry my camera with me, I've also got a smart smartphone that can take photos as well. I don't like thinking a lot about my tools. I'm not tech um, interested like lots of people. I just like having them there ready and working. So I always carry spare batteries, uh, an extra memory card, um, and that kind of thing. Um, I studied photography as an undergraduate student. So as we're photographing with mapping edges, I'm always thinking about light and composition when I'm taking photos. It's just in the back of my mind, part of the process, but not necessarily 
consciously. So you have um, already touched on this. Do you have anything else you would like to say about the technology that you use? Um, just, I think it's important to be really prepared and to be over prepared. So even though we think, even though the research we do is, well, I've talked about it as being sensory and it's qualitative, um, it also involves data and you have to be very conscious that, about that data. So I record raw files, for instance, on my camera and WAV files on, files on the audio recorder so that there's the most data available when we go to work with those even if it's not for exhibition or broadcast. So in terms of collaboration, when we're doing research together, um, we always check each, we check each other and we check things and we talk through our process out loud. And I think that's a really good thing to do if you have the chance to, walk, to work with someone. Uh, for example, if you're interviewing someone, to go through the questions with them beforehand and to double check and have your systems for recording ready and backed up. And do you think that um, we can understand something specific about place with these methodologies? So I think visual methods generally, like photographing, are really great for thinking about the world at a human scale. Um, so a camera, for example, helps to clarify the way that we see a street when we're walking through it. Um, but to go back to that idea of having a conceptual filter like we do in map Mapping Edges, I think the best thing about that is to, it makes a clear task to focus on uh, because the world that we're looking at is always very complex. For example, in Mapping Edges, we're thinking about whether or not cities are sustainable. It's a big question. Uh, it's almost impossible to answer. But if you look at how particular species of plants, like olive trees, for example, thrive in a particular urban context like Marrickville, you start to get somewhere. And by documenting those trees on verges and in backyards, we start to understand a lot about migration, for example, of plants and humans, and then about community and how that's made. And also about everyday sustainability and the possible futures of resilience for cities. So if students want to go and do a mapping edges type of project, what would your advice be? Well, definitely find some friends to do it with. I think that um, working with place-based methodology collaboratively is really, really the way to go if you can, because we all make place differently and it's really helpful to have someone else to reflect on the way you see the world. But I think also having fun with the tools you already use is important. So most of us um, think about the places that we're in already. So using the tools that you have at hand, such as your phone or social media, but to use them in critical ways and make sure that you're using them to think through a research question that you have in mind. So the more focused you can be, uh, the better you can answer those questions. And what do you think that they should read or look at? Oh, there's so much wonderful material uh, on these topics and there's, it's growing all the time. There's a great set of resources at walkinglab.org where we did a residency and some really wonderful posts to read there and um, resources to follow up with. Our website, mappingedges.org, has got some good places to start. Uh, 
in terms of more broadly, when I'm thinking about walking or trying to get inspired about walking, I like to read Rebecca Solnit. She's just got such a great perspective on making place. Uh, her book, A Field Guide to Getting Lost, is very lovely. I like a lot of geographers as well. I like the late Doreen Massey, whose global sense of place is really helpful for thinking about scale um, and for thinking in terms of neighbourhoods, but also about a global perspective. And I also love, love David Harvey because uh, his work on the urban ex on justice and the urban experience are really important. So a little bit more close to home, a colleague of ours, Kirsten Seal, wrote a great book called Markets, Places and Cities. And I think it really clearly de demonstrates the kind of methodologies we use in, in mapping edges. So there's lots of materials to read and they're all really interesting. Thank you. And just to finish quickly, could you give us um, an example from research? So our most recent project for Mapping Edges has been to document oral histories of gardening in Haberfield. And um, just to quickly describe the process, which we went by the time this goes to air, we probably will have completed. Um, we started with walking, as we always do. Uh, we walked around and around the suburb. It's not that big, so it was a pretty great, um, it was a pretty clear uh, scope to start with and as we were walking we identified the gardens that were really interesting for us in particular ways especially in terms of uh, sustainability in terms of how people were remixing the federation style with possibly uh, contemporary forms of sustainability and just interesting practices that were going on in the gardens and after we'd made a map of the gardens that we'd identified as being interesting we interviewed the people who had those gardens we had a little bit of help from a local historian who was really wonderful um, and provided some second some secondary sources that we were able to look at so we did these interviews, we transcribed the interviews, and then we analysed the interviews. And I grew up in Haberfield, so I really thought I knew about this place. But going through this methodology meant that we were able to, I was able to understand and provide a new perspective on the history of Haberfield. So I'd encourage you to have a read on our website of um, some of the interviews we did, and you'll be able to see clearly how we are both making place and understanding place through this methodology. Thank you very much, Ali. Oh, it's a pleasure.